MacLean's Child by John George Edward Henry Douglas Sutherland Campbell, the Marquis of Lorne. Part One. Dark, with shrouds of mist surrounded, rise the mountains from the shore, where the galleys of the Islemen stand up drawn, their voyage o'er. Horns this morn are hoarsely sounding from Loch Buoy's ancient wall, while for chase the guests and vassals gather in the court and hall. Hounds, whose voices could give warning from far moors of stags it lay, quiver in each iron muscle, howl, impatient of delay. Henchmen, waiting for the signal at their chief's imperious word, start to drive from hill and quarry to the pass the watchful herd. Closed were paths as with a netting, vain high courage, speed, or scent, every mesh a man in ambush, ready with a crossbow bent. Aiken, guard that glen and copsewood at your peril, let none by, cries the chief while in the heather silently the huntsmen lie. Shouting by the green morasses where the fairies dance at night, yelling neath the oaken birches come the beaters into sight and before them rushing wildly speeds the driven herd of deer, whose wide antlers tossed like branches in the winter of the year. Useless was the vassal's effort to arrest the living flow, and it passed by Aiken's passage spite of hound, and shout, and blow. Worse than woman, useless caitiff, why allowed you them to pass? Back, no answer. Hark, men, hither, take his staff and bind him fast. Hearing was with them obeying, and the hunter's strong limbs lie bound with thongs from tawny oxen, neath the chieftain's cruel eye. More than two score stags have passed him, mark the number on his flesh, with red stripes of this good ashwood, mend me thus this broken mesh. Ah, Lochbuoy, faint and sullen beats the heart once leal and free, that had yielded life exulting if it bled for thine and thee. Deem'st thou that no honour liveth save in haughty hearts like thine? Think'st thou men like dogs in spirit at such blows but wince and whine? Often in the dangerous tempest when the winds before the blast surging charge like crested horsemen over helm and plank and mast. He and all his kin before him well have kept the clansman's faith, serving thee in every danger, shielding thee from harm and scathe. Mid the glens and hills in combat, where the blades of swordsmen meet, as he fought with the Campbells, mingling glory with defeat. But as waters round Aorsa, dark and deep, then blanch in foam, when the wind, Ben Moore has harbored, burst in thunder from their home. So the brow, fear never clouded, blackens now neath anger's pall, and the lips to speak disdaining, white at revenge's call. Part two. Late when many years had passed him in the chief's old age begun, seemed his youth again to blossom with the birth of his fair son. Late, when all his days had hardened into flint his nature wild, seemed it softer grown, and kinder for the sake of that one child. And again a hunting morning saw Loch Buoy and his men, with his boy, his guests, and kinsmen hidden o'er a coppiced glen. Deep within its open thickets ran its waters to the sea. On the hill the chief lay careless while the child watched eagerly. Neath them, on the shining ocean, island beyond island lay, 
where the peaks of Jura's bosom rose or holy Orensay, where the greener fields of Islay pointed to the far Kintyre, fruitful lands of after ages wasted then with sword and fire. For the spell that once had gathered all the chiefs beneath the sway of the ancient royal scepter of the isles had passed away. Once from Rathline to the southward, westward to the low Tyree, northward past the Alps of Coolin, Summerled ruled land and sea. Collinsay, Lismore, and Scarba, Butte and Cumray, Mull and Sky, Erin, Jura, Luz, and Islay shouted then one battle cry. But those isles that still united, taught at Harlaw Scotland's might, broken by their fierce contentions, singly waged disastrous fight. And the teaching of forgiveness, Grey Iona's creed became, not a sign for men to reverence, but a burning brand of shame. Still among the names that ruin had not numbered in her train, lived the great clan, proud as ever of the race of strong MacLean. And his boy, like her he wedded, though of nature like the dove, showed the eagle spirit flashing through a heritage of love. Heir of all the vassal's homage, rendered to the grisly sire, he had grown his people's treasure, fostered as their heart's desire. Surely safety guards his footsteps, enmity he hath not shown. Yet who stealthily glides near him, who's the arm around him thrown? It is Achan, who has wolf-like seized upon a helpless prey. Fearless and fast he bears him where the cliff o'erhangs the bay. There, while sea-birds scream around them, holding by his throat the boy, Achan turns, and to the father shouts in scorn and mocking joy. Take the punishment thou gavest, give before all there a pledge for my freedom, or thy darling dying falls from yonder ledge. Take the strokes in even number as thou gavest, blow for blow, then dishonored on thine honor, swear to let me freely go. Silent in his powerless anger stood the chief with all his folk, and before them all the ransom was exacted, stroke for stroke. Then again the voice of vengeance pealed from Achan's lips in hate. Childless and dishonored villain expiation comes, too late. My revenge is not completed, and they saw in dumb despair how he hurled his victim downward headlong through the empty air. Then they heard a yell of laughter as they turned away the eye, and they gazed again where nothing met their sight but cliff and sky. For the murderer dared to follow where the youthful spirit fled to the throne of the avenger, to the judge of quick and dead. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.